0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fourth Estate, the show where journalists talk journalism, coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. My name is Peter Frey, the co-director of the Centre for Media Transition at the University of Technology, Sydney, and my producer today is Anthony Dockrell. Coming up. What does a former prime minister's son and the former chair of the ABC have to do with an ABC journo getting suspended? Well, is this just another example of that, uh, that the ABC is in all kinds of trouble or is it just a ripping yarn? Uh, Tonight, we stir, stir the tea leaves and see if we can make sense of what the hell is going on at the ABC, which, according to The Australian, is a powder keg of reporters angry at executive bonuses. More about that in a minute. Good news for the Halloween of next year. Ross Cameron is available once again for parties after being sacked from Sky News. Cameron lost his job for racist comments about the eyes of Chinese people. Does this point to a change in direction for Sky News under the leadership of ex-Oz editor-in-chief Paul Whitaker? Or is it because Sky's ultimate owner, Rupert Murdoch, has some Chinese people in his own family? Or is it just a case of Cameron going that one step too far? And in the wake of the U.S. midterm campaign, there is an increasing concern that our very own prime minister is taking a leaf from Donald Trump, the Donald Trump book of media relations, and essentially labeling journos as propagandists and singling singling out individual news organisations. Is this what we can expect as we go to the polls next year? To help us through all this and probably a little bit more, we are joined by Stephen Brook,
1: who is Um, Out the door.
0: (laughs) Is that the door at the end? Not out the door. One foot in the grave. Well, well, what I can
1: spruik my own CV. I'm the Media Diary columnist for The Australian and host of the Behind the Media podcast until December 10.
0: Until December 10 when you're going to write a novel. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Excellent. You're well-briefed. I know, incredibly well-briefed. I'm a journalist. Uh, Adding some sense to this whole debate, we have Emily Watkins, who is the media reporter for Crikey. Hi. Hello. And Michael Kosciel. Who reports on the media and a few other things for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Probably the Canberra Times too.
2: Uh, yes, technically. Yes.
0: Does your stuff get a good run in the
2: Canberra Times? Uh, they tend to be a little bit more locally focused. Really? More cat up a tree type stuff? A bit of that. A bit of, you know, development over in Forest and all that sort of thing. Hmm, okay. They're still worried about that tram? The tram is actually it's well I just left Canberra uh just as the tram was about to open. Well wow. it's uh I think the the vehicles are on the rails almost as we speak. Well that's more you can
0: say for Sydney isn't it? Anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, this is not a story this show about transport, it's a show about the media. And if you haven't guessed it so far, we have actually three media reporters in the studio too. So that's today's theme if we needed one. Anyway, the latest installment of the ABC's Annus Horribilis reads like an upcoming episode of Rake. Uh, Alex Turnbull, that's Malcolm's son, calls Justin Milne, the then chair of the ABC board, to complain about an unaired portion of an interview between himself and Emma Baricci, why is it always Emma Barici? we'll never know, uh, being leaked to the Australian Financial Review. So the unaired portion had Turnbull, pardon the pun, having a dig at Gina Reinhardt. And this has all resulted in an internal investigation and veteran ABC journalist Peter Lloyd being suspended. Lloyd denies he leaked the audio but does admit he sent the audio to his personal email. What a mess. Let's start with you, Mr. Cozziol, because uh, you broke the story. Tell us what the hell this is about. Is this about Justin Milne overstepping the mark or is it just a kind of one of those crazy zany. ABC yarns that we kind of get used to at the moment.
2: Well, I think as you rightly point out, it's remarkable how the same characters seem to appear again and again and again. This uh, all transpired just a few days after Malcolm Turnbull was deposed as Prime Minister, when you might remember his son Alex said, uh, he memorably tweeted out, you know, I'm going to be a lot less restrained now in what Mm -hmm. I can say. He promptly went on to do an interview with Emma Alberici, uh, and then a couple of days Mm -hmm. later, that uh, bits of it that weren't aired, um, uh, so they were, I suppose, on the record, but they weren't aired, uh, ended up in the financial review. Mm. Uh, now, and Why weren't they aired? Do you know? Uh, uh, no, the ABC uh, wouldn't, or Emerald Breachy wouldn't say why they mm. weren't aired, uh, but uh, Stephen may Stephen know knows the that. answer to that. Why were question? they not
1: aired, Stephen? One school of thought is that she came to an agreement with Alex mm. Turnbull to take that out of the interview. I'm not sure if that is true or not. I never mm. exactly ran that to ground. Yes. Which is interesting in itself.
0: Is that the is that the extent of your insight? No, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I was it sorry. Was, I sorry. was also I mean it, yeah. was, it, was, it was it was
2: it was it was admittedly, you know, some clumsy uh audio, but you know, you may very well choose to run that um for its own value. Regardless, uh they didn't air it, uh and it ended up in the fin. Now Alex Turnbull calls up Justin Milne. And says, you know, what's going on here? You've got to investigate this. This is entirely improper. Uh, now, what exactly transpires next is still a bit up in the air. The ABC says that Justin Milne never raised this issue with management. Right. Um, Justin Milne wouldn't talk to me for this story, uh, so I can't get his side of it. There is certainly a view within some parts of the ABC that, uh, you know, Milne, in, 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 uh, in line with his other yes. attempts to intervene in staffing matters, uh, obviously set this investigation in motion. The ABC is saying that didn't happen. I myself find it hard to believe that Justin Milne had this conversation with Alex Turnbull and said nothing to anyone about mm. it. Uh, it. It's Just
0: just, just so I got this clear, is Justin Milne, you, in your opinion, somewhat obsessed with Emma Alberici? <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> well, the, there's certainly a case to be made. I mean, is for people who mm. perhaps don't recall it was his email Mm. to michelle guthrie about emma alberici that you know really sparked well his own demise but certainly set michelle guthrie uh uh you know raised her eyebrows at the time Mm. it seems or perhaps in retrospect uh when he demanded that that she be sacked um and this was an email that he'd sent you know on budget night uh uh, after two glasses there's, of red, as we know, um, a, a, and you know, basically after MRL Breach, he had given the government all this trouble, yes, yes, um, yeah, yeah. in a series of articles. So, there's a lot of history there. And uh, where does it intersect with Peter Lloyd? And, 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 well, the ABC yeah, did investigate yeah. whether that was of their own volition or because Justin Milne said something to someone. I think it, it still, you know, remains to be conclusively shown, but uh, they did, they are investigating. They suspended Peter Lloyd because they found that he had sent the file to his home email address. Hey, do we know how Peter Lloyd got the file? Well, he works on the program. Right, so he was had access to he it. He works right. on the program, he had access to it. He yeah, says, right. you know, uh, yeah. people and other people at the ABC say this, it's not uncommon un- no, un- sure. uncommon to send a file to your home address so you can listen to it at home. And he denies that he sent it to the fin. Uh, you know, it's been two months. The ABC hasn't come to a conclusion on this. They've brought in one of their in-house mm. uh, lawyers um, rather than just HR, they've actually got one of the the sort of corporate counsel to investigate, but they haven't been able to come up with an actual finding on that. So here. I'm going
0: to go to Stephen, but then on to Emily about this. I mean, what there seems to be a high state a state of paranoia happening here. That's one way of reading this. What do you think?
1: I think let's do the impossible and take the personalities yeah, out. Yeah, right, let's for do that. That's a great a idea. Moment. Yeah, that's, I, I'm all you for that. You are an ABC executive, and you're reading the Financial Review, yes. and you read some quotes that are in an interview that has been done by your organisation mm-hmm. that has not made it to air. Yeah. So instantly, something's been leaked. You know that there has been a not just a leak, but a breakdown in editorial processes mm-hmm. because a journalist has gone and taken upon themselves to uh, circumvent or subvert the editorial processes that saw that particular part of the interview, for whatever reason, not aired. So, of course, you would launch an inquiry because this is an incredibly serious Although we don't matter. know it's a journal, do we? It could have been the cleaner... Uh, we do know that it's a journal right. because they I'm wouldn't have had.
3: Not sure the cleaner has access, access to this. Well, you never <laughs> know <at> the ABC; <laughs> it's a,
1: they're very egalitarian. Uh, I think. I mean, that one thing that struck me is that one of Ms. Alberici's colleagues clearly thought so little of her that they wanted to get this portion mm. of the interview out for whatever reason, presumably to embarrass her or to embarrass Alex Turnbull. Or you know, there is a whole range of mm. things. So I think that. It's a really serious matter. I can remember years ago one example on The Australian where a sub-editor sent a story to the subject of that Mm. story which caused massive Mm. problems Mm. or concerns. So I think the ABC was right to investigate uh, whether it was leaked uh, by Peter Lloyd or not. I don't know. But clearly the ABC had to act.
0: The ABC had to act. Um, Emily, what do you think? What do you make of all this? I mean... One thing we said before we came on here that we we are getting a bit tired of the ABC, but it is the gift that keeps giving.
3: Yeah, look, I mean I think, um, like Stephen said, it's entirely plausible that executives saw the story independently and decided to investigate, given the continued and sustained political attacks on the ABC. Mm. Um, I can understand that they might want to get on top of any Ooh. anything like that. Immediately, especially, I guess, especially given the characters, especially given that Emma Alberici is involved, because she has been the subject of a lot of those political attacks hmm. in the past year or so. Did
0: you think this is a sign that these attacks are actually were, maybe still are, working? You know, the, the cracks are you know, appearing?
3: Well, I think, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think executives at the ABC are very, very conscious of, of the political climate at the moment, in relation to the ABC, um, I mean, their triennial funding's coming up next year, so they're in those discussions. Um, mm.
0: And of course, they're looking for a new CEO and a chair. Yeah. While we're talking about the executives of the ABC, uh, some of them have reasons to be happy because, as we have re- heard in, in recent days, that some $2 million worth of bonuses were paid out to some 157 ABC execs, um, with one person getting uh, over 200 grand, which seems a lot. Quite a large slice of the pool. Does anyone know who that is, by the way, Stephen? No. no, no one knows. No one knows who that. But right, look, let's just let's just uh, roll this one back because I feel like this is becoming a bit of an anti-ABC show. Mm-hmm. And uh, shouldn't hardworking executives get bonuses? Let's stick with you, Stephen. Hardworking executives and whatever you know, the ABC's. Uh,
1: Should hardworking staff get bonuses? Would be my rejoinder because mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the outrage is that staff feel that they are doing a lot more work Mm. and are suffering in terms of resources. Uh, There were stories earlier this year that the ABC Sydney newsroom couldn't get its roster in order and had to get people from other centres to come down. So I think it's about proportionality. And back Mm. in the good old days of the ABC, I think there was a lot more of a parity between executives and staff. And now what you've seen is that ABC staff have... uh, The staff, I think there's a statistic that the CPSU has put out that 2% of staff got a bonus in this last annual report, whereas 50% of executives got a bonus. So I think that the discrepancy is wild. Yes, bonuses are a fact of life, both at the ABC, but also at commercial organisations, which is always... A defence used and Hmm, ABC management say it's in line with what the corporate sector would be getting. But look, it's taxpayers' money at the end of the day. And I don't know that bonuses, particularly $230,000 is money well spent. And the big mystery not only is is who it is, but why. What have they done to deserve that? Well,
0: someone's done a sterling job. Emily, what do you think?
3: Yeah, look, I mean, I tend to be of the school of thought that it's, um, that executives at the ABC should be well compensated yep. for the work they do to ensure that there are good people in those roles. But I think it's really tone deaf, especially mm. this year. And after several years of many, many redundancies at a time when staff feel under attack, under a lot of pressure, um, I think it doesn't do anything to help morale. <laughs> Plus...
1: I mean, yeah. on all objective measures, they've stuffed it mm. up this year. Mm. I'm not talking about... What, Shelby... what measures would you use? Well, I would talk about the fact that they had a $70 million black hole mm-hmm. in the annual report. That, that might have been redundancies. Well, it was It was partly redundancies, yeah. but they... been efficient. ...underestimated the amount that the redundancies was going to cost them. Yes. If you look at all the staff surveys for staff engagement, etc., all those numbers are plunging, which I think is a pretty clear indication that management has not been doing a great job. So, Michael, uh, going to you,
0: do you think the acting uh, CEO and managing director, David Anderson, can win back the trust of staff, can fix this one, and as in, in doing so it becomes kind of item number one on his CV for the top job, or is this something for another CV, a CEO and uh, another chair to fix?
2: Well, it really depends on who gets those jobs, this right? This a highly speculative
0: uh, question I should add.
2: And, uh, I mean, you know, a lot of people on the ABC speak quite positively about David Anderson. So yeah. if he were to become permanently um, the managing director, you'd think he'd, ha- he'd start off with a, a reasonable amount of goodwill. He's a, a creature of the company. Do you think uh, he's going to get the job? I don't know.
0: Well, I don't know, it's just oh, idle no. speculation. No. Sorry. You oh, gonna... honest,
1: I mean we don't even have a chair. So I, <coughs> right. oh, I
2: mean I just hate, I just don't I just uh, I have ceased no- doing predictive journalism no, um, well, in really? general. Yes. Good I'm gonna for hold you.
0: you. I'm gonna hold you to Good that. Good for you. I am gonna yeah. hold you to that. And I'm sure you have stopped. What do you Emily, you got any insights? Uh,
3: no. No. No, I don't know. Greg yeah.
1: Highwood for A B C chair. Yes. <laughs> yes. Malcolm think...
2: Turnbull's not doing much.
3: <laughs> Paul Whitaker. I
1: mean he's gonna uh, fix Paul,
3: a Sky in six months forward. and then Thank you very much. nip
0: over to, um, to the ABC. Let's talk about Sky for a second. So let's put us, you know, the ABC is having this Annus Horribilis. but well, Sky has learned all about Arubus Tenio Lupin, which, Paul's for effect, for those who don't know their Latin, that is Sky has been holding the wolf by the ears.
2: You really have become yeah. an academic, haven't you? I, I really you? <laughs> have.
0: I have to blame uh, Anthony Dockrell for that. But no, I'll, I'm going to take it on the chin. Sky uh, at night has caused a lot of controversy this year, um, and there's been this long, well, longish debate about you know the fox of a foxification, uh, or should we say oh, the wolfification of my you see, it. wolf fox got it anyway. Um, uh, but but it kind of a line cool. was crossed uh, this past week with Ross Cameron referring to Chinese people lining up at Disneyland as being slanty-eyed and having yellow skin. So Sleeping Giants of Oz, a, very, uh, a, a subject of much reporting in the Australian, we should say, so that's the anonymous Twitter group Targeting Sky, it was quickly on the case, uh, targeting advertisers, and before you know it, Cameron was gone. So making him the second outsider after Mark Latham, the new candidate, to get the chop. So what do we think? Do you think this is a a question of sleeping giants of Oz getting a sculp or is it Cameron going too far or is this sky under new management of the uh, ex-Oz Editor-in-Chief CEO um, showing that some things are beyond the pale? Emily?
3: I think it's a combination of things. I think um, Paul Whitaker, I mean, Stephen might know more about this than I, but it it felt from the outside like it was um, sort of – taking a stand, I suppose, on the on probably the first big kind of publicity scandal. Um, I think as well Sky has recently launched its free-to-air programming on mm. WIN, um, so it's now subject to a different code of conduct. Um, and then also Sleeping Giants Oz is relatively new in targeting um, mm. advertisers, which it has been doing successfully, and mm. they did have quite a sustained um, strong campaign, I suppose, online at least, um, over that, that clip. So I, I I have a feeling it's a combination of things. I don't think you can put it down to just one, one reason.
0: Okay. What do you think of Sleeping Giants of Oz, Stephen?
1: I think that they are a – what do I think? Yeah, what well, do you think? I haven't turned my mind to them that much. I think that they are—they have a presence on Twitter and yes. online and have prosecuted that reasonably effectively. But um, I think that nothing really would have happened unless Ross Cameron had made those comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the issue that we got, correct me if I'm wrong, is that there wasn't an immediate apology from him mm-hmm. in response to that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what impact that had on his sacking. As to whether this is Paul Whitaker coming in with a new broom, I don't particularly think so, because in the past, as you referenced, we had Ross Cameron sacked by the old yeah. regime of he Angelo Frangiopoulos, and yeah. we had Adam Giles, who was also removed. Mm-hmm. I think he's come back now. So yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. to me, yeah. these are broadcasters who lack a bit of professionalism and certainly don't know how to prosecute their case um Correctly, and uh, mm, okay. certainly in the case of um, Ross Cameron, he deserved to be fired, and I, I think that any management would have done that.
0: Well, okay, uh, fair enough. But isn't isn't part of the issue here is that people like Ross are employed to do exactly what you know to stir the possum to kind of rant a bit because that's what kind of works at Sky late at night. So should we be surprised? I mean, shouldn't you know? When he kind of goes a bit far, Michael.
2: Well, i th- i just I just think it's so open and shut in this case. Yeah, that, it's, too, it's I mean, too obvious, right? It's it's too obvious, and there's mm. a difference between stirring the pot politically uh, and just really abusing people. I mean, slanty eyed, yellow skinned Chinese people. I mean, really? It's yeah. It's, it's, we thought we were better than that. Yeah, I mean, it's just it 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 just seems so obvious. I think they had no choice, and it, what's amazing is, and probably reflects how few people watch this program, is that it took from Tuesday night until Friday for anyone to really even seem to be aware of it. So, uh, is
0: that where the sleeping giants of Wales thing comes to play because it makes it a at least an issue on Twitter? Uh,
2: yeah, and 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 I think actually, in terms of the way their modus operandi um, is probably, uh, well, I mean, they obviously promote issues on social media, um, but they're, they're more general modus operandi, which is to say to people, well, hey, if you don't like uh, what's being broadcast or what's being produced by an outlet, uh, you know, send that message to an outlet's advertisers because money talks. I think it's actually probably a smarter method of activism than... Uh, what you often see, which is just this kind of uh, no platforming and virtue signaling to people. Would you
0: prefer the Sleeping Giants of Oz were uh, were we knew who they were?
2: Um, uh, Yes, Uh, but I'm not... uh, Are we unaware of who they are? I mean, I haven't personally looked into it, but...
0: uh, Well, Oz spent a lot of time telling the world that
1: there was one person who who denied it. Well, I think... uh, we named Denise Shrivell, you I think did. That's, yeah, you pronounce her name, yeah. and she said that she had links yes. with Sh- them, but yes. wasn't behind the yes. campaign, but supported it. I think that... Do you,
0: sorry, do you know who Stephen Giants of Oz is? Or no. Why? No, I don't do you, Emily? No, I don't. No.
1: I don't think we do. Maybe it's that ABC executive who got that bonus. <laughs>
0: oh, well, yeah. Yeah, a lot I of mean, time for Presumably sleeping.
1: they're quite anti-Sky, but monitor it a lot. Uh, look, yes, uh, of course, I think full disclosure is better mm. in these circumstances. Um, sleeping Giants clearly has an agenda that they've been prosecuting online. Uh, I don't know in this particular case how effective they were in convincing advertisers to mm. protest. But... Um, I think that once the word got out about what it had been said in right. whatever context it was, which different people have different opinions about, some sort of management uh, Action had to happen. Yeah. Yes. It was okay. inevitable.
0: Let's move on because let us I really want to talk about uh, Scott Morrison, uh, who's been very busy this week uh, on a bus throughout rural Queensland, although. And a plane. And a plane. And as someone has also, the journalists have been doing their job by pointing out that it's not all been on a bus because all the long bits have been on a plane, a VIP jet, no less, of course. But he is the Prime Minister. We shouldn't. Should we uh, take him to task for that? Anyway, we'll go back to that. Uh, but more to the point is. Uh, Scott Morrison today, uh, in the last couple of days, has singled out the ABC for an attack. When asked about the change in leadership, surely he must be used to that question, and surely it's a legitimate question, but maybe we can talk about that as well. Morrison answered anyway quote, I think the ABC, ABC should stop turning up to press conferences and asking questions from the Labour Party. So this, they're sort of singling out, uh, there's Scott Morrison singling out the ABC, which seems a bit Trumpian, shall we say singling out the media for asking awkward questions. What do you think, Emily?
3: Look, I I guess to me it just makes him look quite shallow, sort of, I I suppose, turning it back to the journalists and refusing to answer questions. And sure, he's doing it to this ABC reporter, but um, I I think he's done it to other journalists too, um, which is, like you say, something that Donald Trump does. But I think it just sort of goes more to his depth, I suppose, and what his... um, his talking points are, I suppose.
0: Mm, yeah, get off my talking points. You're yeah. But it's a legitimate question, right? To ask this question. It's finished with
3: Well Or is it
0: kind of yesterday's news and we should move on? What do you I think? Mean, I
3: mean, I think we haven't really had a proper answer to it. Mm. So journalists are always gonna keep asking until we until we get some sort of response from someone. Mm. Um, which I think could very easily be solved if they just if he gave some sort of is. So,
0: Yeah, exactly. So, Stephen, if, you were, if your next job was to be the you know, Prime Minister's media person...
1: Don't tempt me. <laughs> <which I'm, laughs> I think there's a big job to be done. Right.
0: So what would you tell him? Six-month I would contract. sit
1: him down. Yeah,
0: Nothing uh, like would, a short-term contract. That's all
1: right. Sit him down and yeah. say, Prime Minister, mm-hmm. you took over the job in difficult circumstances and made an immediate... Positive impression. But you've got to man up and not lose your cool because the events of this past week have been unedifying and unprime ministerial. And coupled with a few initiatives that you have launched that have given the appearance of being thought bubbles. Ooh. You are in danger of selling your reputation with the voters, and the only person who can do Trump is Trump, so don't even try that nonsense about arcing up on journalists, because it just Ooh. makes you look like a petulant fool, and Aussies don't like their politicians to have hissy fits. I think you
0: should get this job, because that is some very you know, forthright thinking there. Mr. Press Secretary,
1: and then I would, I would, you know what I did? I would in the corner of his office because he's such a bloke. I would get him a punching bag, oh. and say, just take all your, just exert against the punching bag. Okay, and when you're in front of the public and the press. Be sweetness and light. And
0: don't hit the press secretary because that's probably what he's about to do if you're talking yeah. that. And,
1: you're... No, and we can all remember Bob Hawke having a go at that pensioner saying he was a silly yeah. old bugger.
0: Yeah, when and ate you... them in the taxi driver. Yeah. And well, we could and go on.
1: You, it is teetering towards disaster. Yes.
0: So do you Mr. think, Morrison? I mean, you'll be on the campaign trail, I'm sure, Michael. Are you looking forward to that? You know, grappling with these. Questions?
2: I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it, Peter. Good, oh, why? <laughs> oh, it's just good to get out of the office. Yes, um, no, okay. But and do you, you get think to stay in, in nice hotels.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, is that Come what they're on. telling you? Yes, i sorry.
2: <laughs> I did it last time. And did you uh, stay in nice hotels? Yeah, well, you stay yeah. in the same hotel as the Prime Minister do. most of the yeah, time. Yes, so, so, yes. Well, that's true. Uh, you're not slumming it. You're not um,
1: it. So it's the quality of the hotels rather than the quality <laughs> of the stories that you are no, You're being a little unfair, Stephen, a little unfair. <laughs> well, no, because it raises a wider point about mm. spoon-feeding journalists yeah, on sure. these, I mean, this thing is basically like a dress rehearsal for mm. an election campaign yep. on the bus. Yep. And is it anything more than a collection of door stops uh, with a release of talking points? I'm. What is it? I'm here to listen? And I'm here to act.
0: Just on that point, though, is there an alternative? So let's say the journos, I mean, is the alternative, the journos don't do it. What if something happens? I'll I'll sit with Michael for a second, but we'll go around the panel on this one. Well, You've got to be there, right?
2: We took people off the campaign uh, for a couple of weeks in 2016. Um, It was a very long campaign. It was judged that Turnbull wasn't doing particularly much each day on the campaign and Mm. that there wasn't a whole lot of point uh, uh, to being there. Um, having said that, you're right. You know, If something of note does happen, you've kind of got to be there. Uh, so I don't know if we would do the same thing in, in next year's campaign. Um, but uh, to come to this point about whether this week's Queensland Ooh. jaunt is a, a quasi-election campaign, I mean, yes, of course it is. Uh, the somewhat persuasive counterpoint to that, which the government makes, is that, well, both parties do this all the time. Uh, I mean, you know, Tanya Plibersek was on. Per- it was in Perth Monday, Tuesday. Bill Shorten's always travelling around the country. I mean, everyone, everyone is always campaigning pretty much these days. Mm. Uh, you know, all, Morrison, all those high vis vests. Yeah, I mean, you see it every second week. Now, just this time, Morrison happens to have a bus with his face on it, and he's also doing a lot of fundraising events. But. You know, for for all intents and purposes, like they're campaigning uh, all the most, time. All the yeah, time yeah, of these course. So
0: can we go to the Trump point? Do you think do you think Scott Morrison has Trump like tendencies when it comes to the media?
2: Oh but I think that you saw this you saw Turnbull doing it before. Mm. I mean, Turnbull would have this thing where he'd go on, he had that strange relationship with Lee Sales, uh, another ABC host, where he'd, he'd go on 7.30 and then he'd chastise the ABC. You know, that's a very ABC-type question. Or he'd you know he'd, he'd stick the boot into the ABC while on the ABC. Mm. Uh, I think well, it's that's a bit that... different,
0: though, isn't it? Because uh, uh, sort of calling out a journalist as a mm. propagandist of the Labour Party... So uh, politicians are allowed to say, oh, that's a very ABC sort of question. Mm. He's making a slightly different point, right? Uh, calling you, if you asked a question, you said, oh, well, that's straight from Bill Shorten's playbook. Uh, yeah.
3: You'd well, be, you have Peter Dutton off. all the
2: time saying, you know, that the, the, the Guardian and Fairfax and the ABC mm. are of one mind on this, and, you know, then mm. we all think that. Uh, I think it's something that Trump has licensed to a degree, and it's something that it's kind of a continuation of this idea, which Morrison has put more forcefully than other, anyone else, that there's, you know, the Canberra bubble and the people and media groups associated with that, and then there's the Mm. real world. And if you're asking things that he doesn't like, then you're part of that uh, elitist bubble.
1: bubble. Whereas I'm in my real world, in my Queensland bus, but flying from point to point on my VIP jet, Mm -hmm. because that's how real I am. Mm -hmm. I think that rarely, if ever, Trump might be the exception, have politicians profited from slagging off the media. And I don't think it's going to work in Scott Morrison's case.
0: All right. Well, I guess we'll see. And who was the
1: journalist? I would have been offended Mm. if he'd said that to me Mm. and would have snapped back with something quite cutting that would have led the 6 p.m. news. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some bugger Scott Morrison. We've got to get you on the campaign trail (laughs) then.
0: What do you think about this, Emmy?
3: The campaign trail? Yeah.
0: um, Well, no, this sort of Trumpian. Could you think then, you know, looking forward, we're going to have an election in April, May next year, uh, five minutes away, really? Do you feel like we're going to have a kind of a sort of Trump light or even Trump full Trump sort of experience next year?
3: Oh, look, I think we're probably going to see more of it, which mm. because it's been seen to be successful in the States for, mm. for Donald Trump, um, which I think is concerning. I think it's really worrying for our public discourse. But I mean,. There's a whole lot of things that play into that, and that's sort of the speed of the news cycle, um, resourcing in newsrooms. There's a whole lot of reasons, um, but yeah, I imagine we're just going to see probably more of it.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I think we've got a new job for me. I could do Stephen Brooks' campaign diary. Yeah, who
2: for? for? I'll subscribe.
0: Well, you could do it as a sort of your own. Whoever's going to pay me. Yeah, you could do it for. Two S.E.R.
1: Yeah. Here's a yeah. candid snap of Michael Cozzio in his five-star hotel, <laughs> monstering <laughs> the, the minibar. Hold oh, that again.
0: You know me so <laughs> again, well. <laughs> again, that again tonight. Um, I, one interesting thing about that, just to ro- roll up the show, though, I've best been reading this fantastic book I'd recommend. It's called The Death of Truth, which is all about journalism and Trump and what have you. But one of the interesting critiques that this author makes, uh, Kokotani is her name, um, is that journalists in the US are not enlarging the public debate anymore because of the way the public debate is, be, uh, they're following Trump. And in, as a result of that, it's becoming more narrow. And one of the functions of journalism is actually to enlarge the public debate. It seems to be a legitimate concern in this country, but I know what, I'm interested in what you think, Amy.
3: Yeah, look, I think it's, it's a, a concern. Challenge. It's And it's a challenge. I think it's a challenge for the media As a whole, and I don't know the answer. I I don't know that anyone really knows the answer at this this point. Well, there might
0: be some answers. Is the
2: the contention uh, of this person that even the heavy-hitting stories by the New York Times or the Washington Post about Trump are old that you know that are kind of lauded with you know uh, the return of newspapers and the return of investigative journalism is is their contention that even that's not really that worthwhile because it's narrowly focused on Trump not yeah that, we're, that
0: that the Trump because of the very nature of the of journalism that we follow you know personalities and we follow leaders and in the nature of Trump Trump has led all the media like the pie piper down this sort of particular rabbit hole, such that, you know, the media in the U.S. and, you know, in this country, too, mm-hmm. is obsessed with this sort of narrow. So he's defining. He's become the kind of editor-in-chief,
1: really. That Nobody is such a thing um, because my rejoinder to that would be how many journalists or newspapers or newsrooms would have sent their reporters out to Queensland to the areas such as Toowoomba Townsville mm. where Scott Morrison has been over this past week without, without, Scott, without Morrison Scott Morrison being Morrison, there yes. and how long before mm. he visited had they last been there to mm. find out what was going on there. So this is your new job and I think we can do a
0: crowdfunding uh, round to fund that because I think that is a very, very legitimate
2: point. Uh, and what are you supposed to do with Trump? Not cover him? No, no. Yeah.
0: But I, I, no I, just think I know that's reductionist, but
2: to an extent that seems to be what this person is.
0: Well, yeah. no, I, th- but I just think... I just think we've got to be mindful. I mean, I'm not going to get too preachy here, but I do think we need to be mindful that one of our jobs is to open the debate rather than narrow it. And, and that is not only about politics, by the way. It's about all sorts of things we do.
1: Well, there was this big sort of mere culprit on the part of the New York Times and others when Trump was elected that they had missed the story, mm. i.e. they had missed mm. the Rust Belt Midwest hillbilly elegy kind of support for Trump. And they were scratching their heads because they didn't see it coming. Mm. Uh, so what what are this book seems to be saying is that they've still narrowed the focus because there is so much material about Trump are yeah. so many I tweets. Mean, and, to, and it's yeah, I mean,
3: so outrageous. There's yeah, always well, a, no, a legitimate news story. To, to the, that's to, part yes. of the problem, In right? defense of
1: journalism,
0: of yeah. course, I mean, and to Michael's point, uh, you can't really ignore the president and you can't ignore the, what he says or, you know, but... Uh, and, you know, there's only so many journals in the newsroom, as it were. So there, it's a massive challenge, but I just think it's something to keep in mind. And maybe it's a theme we'll return to in the, in the lead-up to the next election, and I'm looking forward to that. But for now, that's a wrap for this week's edition of The Fourth Estate, and I want to thank Emily Watkins from Crikey. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, the new best-selling novelist in our midst, Stephen Brooke. From Thank the Australian uh, uh, with the Australian until December ten. Yeah. Uh and uh, you're all invited to his farewell party, aren't we? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We're all inv- possibly. We at are now. Yeah, possibly, <laughs> possibly, possibly at the Aurora. Aurora one Thursday night. I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay. And Michael Cosio, who's been incredibly uh patient because um being a you know, a, a reporter on the on the on the on on the job, he's been anxiously checking his phone because he's He's filed, but he, have you finished filing? No. They haven't finished filing. What are well, they
2: going to do? Send the paper out? Well, Probably. I, yeah, possibly. <laughs> so Michael
0: Cosgill from Fairfax City Morning Herald, The the Age, and sometimes the Canberra Times. I'd like to thank you all for being on the show. Thank you very much. And Pleasure. And please make sure you subscribe to the Fourth Estate on your favourite podcast, um, so you can hear this at will at any time you fancy. And we'll be back uh, next week for more. In the meantime, you can stay in touch with the Fourth Estate on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is Fourth Estate AU. Uh, my name is Peter Frey. Uh, the producer of this evening has been Anthony Dockrell. Uh, thank you so much for listening.